on today's episode of Locked on Suns, we go deep on how the Suns offense has skyrocketed to number one in the NBA the past two weeks and try our best to evaluate just how good Yusuf Nurkic has been this season or not. We'll see. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts, a big Thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen each and every day. If you have not already, hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So just hit that button. Get a new show in your feed every Monday through Friday from now through the end of the season. Become an everydayer and get locked onto the Suns right along with me from now till this thing is over. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every, every moment more Get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 into your account if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Let's go. We got a lot of offensive stuff to hit. We'll look forward a little bit as well with this offense and spend a good chunk of time talking about Yusuf Nurkic, who is a complete riddle, I think, as a player. Like just a an impossible guy to evaluate, but we'll do our best. I have some numbers for you. I have some observations for you. So we'll talk Nurk to close things out. The inspiration for this episode is that the Phoenix Suns have an offensive rating of 131.4 so far this season with both Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on the court this season. For reference, the number one offense in the NBA overall has a 122.7 offensive rating. So the Suns are almost nine points better than that with their two best players on the court so far this year. And just overall the past two weeks, the Suns have a 129.1 offensive rating, which is the best in the league and more than two and a half points per hundred possessions ahead of the second best offense of the past two weeks, which is the Indiana Pacers. So just about any way you slice it, the Phoenix Suns have been elite on offense since Devin Booker came back and opened things up for Kevin Durant. Durant did not miss a beat. Booker has provided some much-needed creation and playmaking and driving in this offense, and they've been close to unstoppable. Now, I posted that on Twitter, and it made the rounds, and I saw some pushback, right? Okay, who have they played? All right, and that's fine. During this win streak, the teams that they have beaten, the Jazz twice, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, and then two close to 500 teams, just over 500 teams in Golden State and the Knicks. On Wednesday night, they don't have much more of a test ahead of them. The Toronto Raptors are another 500, just above 500, give or take, type of team. However, you have to play who you play, and you have to beat who is on the schedule, and so it's hard for me to take too much away from 
not just eking out wins, not just scraping by, but straight up dominating on the offensive end of the court. Particularly because even when you look at that schedule, yeah, the Jazz have a bad defense, but the Trailblazers are better on the defensive end of the floor than the offensive end. The Warriors tend to be better uh, defensively than offensively, although Draymond Green was out. The Grizzlies and the Knicks are the same. Those are all teams, even the worst teams that they played, who have a a defense-first identity, and the Suns were still able to put up. They have not scored fewer than 110 points in more than two weeks. Last time they did that being against the Thunder in the last game that uh, Beal played, if I'm remembering right. So, look, that's almost not even an argument I'm willing to embrace. The Phoenix Suns are dominant on offense right now. They've been dominant when their two best players have been on the court. But let's talk about how, right? Because that matters, and it factors into what we're going to do next, which is look forward a little bit. I was texting uh, Aaron Edwards, who co-hosts this show every week with me, earlier today, talking about this offense. And he was pointing out the Suns are still only 19th in three-point attempts per game. And yet, the offense is elite. And I texted him back, yeah, they lose the turnover battle almost every night. They've barely scored at the rim. They don't take a lot of threes, even though they've made quite a few. And yet they put up 120 most nights like it's nothing. And that's that's a fact. But there are a few things that the Suns have done this season that they have not done in years past that I think is is really getting them over the hump to be truly unguardable at times, right? So the Suns are a the fifth best half-court offense in the league. Now, there's really a, a clear top two in Indiana and Oklahoma City, a clear three and four with Milwaukee and Dallas, and then the Suns are in a cluster between five and seven that includes themselves, the Hawks, and the Sixers. That's a clear third tier, but still, that's elite stuff. They are, as I mentioned a minute ago, in terms of where their shots are coming from, they are only are taking um, about 35% of their shots from deep, which is right about middle of the league. They are bottom 10 in terms of how many shots they're taking at the rim, and so they are still a team that is very reliant on mid-range shots. And then when you look at what they're making, they are 22nd in terms of finishing at the rim. They don't make you know, a crazy number one in the league type of amount of their mid-rangers, but they've shot almost 40% from deep, and that has carried them a long way. But in terms of the possession categories, the Suns, I did mention, lose the turnover battle almost every night. They're close to bottom five in terms of coughing the ball up, and they don't get their own takeaways as a defense very often. So they're behind the eight ball there, and yet they're top five in offensive rebounding rate, and they're top two in free throw rate how much they get to the line. And so they're getting these easy points despite not finishing well and not taking a ton of threes. They are able to kind of retrofit winning the, the the possession battle on almost a nightly basis. That's super impressive. They're only 24th in transition offense, right? So there's a lot of indicators that say this thing can keep getting better. And obviously, again, you're looking, all those numbers I just listed, those are all season-long numbers, whereas 
the past two weeks and the Devin Booker plus Kevin Durant stuff, that's all more recent. So I'm sure if I were to split that all out just in the past handful of games, the metrics in terms of even turnovers, um, shooting, all those finishing, it's probably going to look a little better. But still, to be a top offense in the league without, with, I guess you would say, leaving meat on the bone is huge. They're fifth overall in offensive rating so far this season. With all of those holes still to improve upon, when this team is at full strength, which we'll get to in the next segment, it's going to be impossible to make a decision of what you're trying to take away, who you are sending two defenders and help defense toward, and where you try to force them into mistakes. I have faith that when Booker and Beal and Duran are all healthy, that trend, that turnover number is not going to be as ugly as it is. I have a hard time imagining that with that level of player finishing a lot of possessions that the at-rim shooting is going to remain so low, right? And we know that they're going to generate threes. If you force the ball out of these star players' hands, the most logical place that that's going to go is a three for Beal, a three for Gordon, a three for Allen, a bucket at the rim for Nurkic. And so that balance will will start to strike as well, even if you force the role players to, to take more shots and handle a bigger burden offensively. This stuff is already looking so good, and it only has more room to grow as we continue through the season. So let's look forward. I have one more stat for you that I think indicates even more optimism about the Suns heading into the second half of the season eventually, Christmas and beyond. So we'll get to all that next. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel. That's right. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks straight into your account if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. As I've told you countless times, you want to take the layup in terms of the money line. Get the bonus bet and stop worrying. The New York Knicks, minus 620 on the money line at home against the Charlotte Hornets. On Tuesday night, you have the Boston Celtics, who are minus 1,000, hosting the Chicago Bulls. Put a little money on those, then spread some of that bonus bet money onto spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. Tip off the NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and the NBA. All right, we're keeping it rolling here. Let's talk the future. Let's look into the crystal ball a little bit. Want to remind everybody as well to join the Locked On Suns Insider Text Alerts, where you get my first reaction to all Suns news and rumors, exclusive game day content and observations, video breakdowns delivered directly to your phone once per week. You can also respond and engage and discuss with me one-on-one right through your text messages on your phone. Love having you as a Locked On Suns listener. Would love to make you a Locked On Suns Insider and deliver all of that content straight to you. So join the Locked on Suns Insiders now and be in the know all the time. The link is in the show description. Just click that down there. 
or go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSuns. That's joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSuns, the name of this show, or click that link in the show description right down below. The final stat that I had for you from that last segment relates to passing. The Phoenix Suns are sixth in passes per game as a team, and they are 11th in assists per game as a team. And that might seem silly, that might seem unimportant, that might seem like it won't happen as Booker and Durant and Beal develop more chemistry together, but I'm of the opinion that it absolutely will. I'm of the opinion that you can never separate the roster context from the development of star players, from the fit of everybody on the court. It's all important. It all factors in. And so, you know, I've made a big point on this show, and I know if you're an everydayer, you've heard it, that the development and improvement that Devin Booker has been able to put together since more specifically, most specifically the Dallas series where they were able to blitz him, double team him, get the ball out of his hands, force him into mistakes, force him into bad shots, and bog the the Suns offense overall down to a point where it just wasn't tenable anymore, right? The same sort of thing happened in the playoffs last year where you had the Clippers and the Nuggets both doing a decent job getting the ball out of Booker's hands. You know, of course, he went supernova and shot an outrageous percentage on contested, suffocated shots. But there were many, many times where at the end of a solid possession from Phoenix, the best shot available, the the shot that the offense effectively created that was open and ready to be taken was a role player taking a three. And in this case, the role players included Chris Paul. And whether it was Paul or Landry Shamit or TJ Warren or Josh Okoge, those guys were not consistently bending or punishing the defense in a way that led to enough scoring to keep up. And that's not going to be the case this year. So I think the passing absolutely matters, right? Because the reality is there are still going to be times where a defense is able to get the ball out of the initial playmaker's hands. And oftentimes, the player they're going to help off of, the player that they're going to organize their defense to dictate the ball going to, is going to be a role player. It's going to be Yusuf Nurkic on the short roll, coming off of a screen, or going downhill after setting a screen. It is going to be the fifth guy in the on the court, whoever that ends up being, in the corner. But one, those guys are more equipped to do that. Yusuf Nurkic is a more comfortable ball handler and passer than DeAndre Ayton was, right? Allen, Gordon, these guys are better, more comfortable shooters. Beal is a more comfortable shooter than the Suns had last year. So Booker and Durant are going to make the right play. Defenses are going to sell out against them. So making the right play, developing chemistry, trusting teammates, that's all has to be there. There's no way around that. And that brings us to Beal, right, as we look forward. I've been thinking a lot about what Beal is going to have to do this season, and I think the reality is it's going to be a very similar thing to what we're already seeing Allen and Gordon do. It's really those guys whose roles are going to probably crater a little bit in terms of usage and shot attempts and and everything else. But you just look at the ways, especially Gordon, that they're using him. No, let's just say both, right? 
Gordon is being utilized as an initiator when Devin Booker is playing off the ball to get him some easy shots in rhythm, get him in space, make him not have to work so hard. They're using Gordon as a screener in some cases where you know he might have the ball and then dribble handoff to Booker and then become a screen setter, which is like a Chicago type of action in the side of the court, turning a dribble handoff into a double drag type of situation. I believe that's Chicago. I don't always have my terms right. You have Gordon being used as uh, the weak side floor spacer, and you're seeing guys like Kata Bates-Diop set off-ball screens to lull the defender who's trying to track Gordon into sleep and then plant a screen on him as he's trying to recover back to Gordon as Gordon is catching the pass or moving more into space ready to, to shoot a three. You put Beal in that spot, and the and the defense's choices are even scarier. And then, obviously, some of the off-ball sets that we've seen uh, Booker run, right, where Gordon does have the ball. Well, imagine if Booker has the ball, but those off-ball sets are being run for Beal. That's easy to imagine. We, we've seen that work already for Booker. You know, Kevin Young's offense is not crazy different. It's a little more simplified, I would say, this year than what we've seen in the past, but we know those sets work for Book. They've worked for Cam Johnson. They work for Mikhail Bridges. Of course they're going to work for Bradley Beal. And then I think the Allen stuff, Allen just kind of plays like he's at the YMCA. Like, you know, he's getting points in transition. He is getting uh, transition threes. He's obviously handling the ball. He is, uh, you know, attacking closeouts. He's just quick trigger as quick trigger gets, and that's the way you have to, kind of the mindset you have to have. And he's gotten assists as well and and Ben had some huge binge nights but the other part of this is the Suns are asking those guys to take a lot of threes right now Allen almost 60% of Allen shots just over 59% of Allen shots are coming from deep and just under 59% of Gordon shots are coming from deep so that's really the the sweet spot for those players 58 to 60% <clears throat> that means three out of every five shots they take in a game are coming from deep. I doubt that the proportion will be quite that extreme for Beal, but I'm kind of returning to my original stance when it comes to Beal in terms of him eventually, the the eventual role he will play on this team is going to involve a lot of three-point shooting. You know, you look at his previous seasons, he hasn't had a, a season where more than 37% of his shots were threes since John Wall was healthy in 2016-17, which I think was the Wizards' best season with those two guys together. Beal was incredibly elite, took a lot of threes, barely turned the ball over, and was part of a winning team. You know, it's not going to be 60, but does Beal have to adjust to, you know, are half of his shots going to be threes? That would be a huge adjustment. I'm very fascinated if they can get Beal enough opportunities that look different from what Allen and Gordon have been feasting on in order to keep Beal comfortable, keep him in a role he's familiar with, or does he become the prototypical third guy, the Clay Thompson, the Ray Allen 
I thought that was his destiny. I think very smart people like Stephen Perjone, who have come on this podcast and others, convinced me that Beal might not have to adjust that much. I think Booker, Durant, and Vogel themselves echoed multiple times throughout the preseason, like, this guy's going to just settle right in into our offense, and we don't want him to change. We want him to be aggressive. I would love it if that's possible, but when you watch what these two MVP candidates are already doing for the Suns, it is a little bit difficult for me to imagine a huge usage, no adjustment necessary version of Bradley Beal fitting into all of that. And I don't know if it needs to, because again, they've been so elite without him. It's going to be very fascinating to watch. The last thing I want to plug through here is just to make this point. With the betting odds, whatever you want to look at, and and Denver is a little bit of a unique case right now because they don't have Jamal Murray and they have not had Jamal Murray for a while. He's due to come back soon from what it sounds like, but that one's a little off. But right now, the and, and dating back to the preseason, the NBA's had a clear top four in terms of championship odds, right? Phoenix, Denver, Boston, Milwaukee. The Suns have the best offense of any of those teams. Boston... Gets beat up on the glass. At least they don't get offensive rebounds. They don't really try to. They don't get to the line as much as Phoenix. And their shot making is about equivalent. Denver is not getting to the free throw line at all this season. And they're losing the turnover battle themselves. Milwaukee doesn't really hit the offensive glass either. They don't really have players who are effective doing that. And their shot making is about equal to Phoenix. The Suns are pacing that group, but you do have Philadelphia, Dallas, Oklahoma City, who are right around the same tier as Phoenix. Just keep an eye on, in a league that is run by offense these days, where those other contenders stand, where their clutch time offense stands, and all those things to see how they stack up. That's what I'll have my eye on as we get closer, two weeks or so from now, to Beal hopefully being put on track to return. And as the Suns have clashes against some of these teams starting this weekend against Denver, where maybe Murray will play. Let's close out the show talking about Yusuf Nurkic. A little bit of a pivot here. I just want to spend some time talking about this guy because he is such a fascinating player. Adjusting to a whole new role. So let's dive into that next first. Today's show brought to you by prize picks. Come in. PrizePix has in fixed daily fantasy sports. That is the bottom line. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from PrizePix Specials League. What is the Specials League? It is a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, let's say you buy a Kyler Murray bounce back game. You're going to go Kyler Murray plus Devin Booker You're going to find what the projection is for the combination of Booker points and Kyler passing, uh, let's say, rushing yards. And that's that. You're going to go more, of course, because you're a Valley sports fan. You're not going to be negative Nancy about it. And then you watch to see if the money piles in. And if you're smart, it will. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types all make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. But it is no pool, no league, no head-to-head. It is just you versus the prize picks player projections. That's what I love most. Get that payday. 
and get a deposit match here with our promo code. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Code locked on NBA when you make your first deposit to get it matched up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. <clears throat> All right, let's keep it rolling. Want to remind everybody to follow the Locked On Suns TikTok account for game reaction videos and more analysis all year long. The link is in the description for that account as well. Or if you're on TikTok already, just search Locked On Suns. I will pop up there. You can get more content multiple times a week over on TikTok. All right. Yusuf Nurkic. Got a few more stats for you. All right. First, want to plug a solid video from Stephen Perjone, who I've already mentioned on the Beal topic, and he talked about the Suns' defense against the Knicks, particularly on Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson, pick and rolls, and he highlighted some specific ways in which Yusuf Nurkic has been effective, been been super solid for the Suns this season, and that's where I want to start. Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit difficult, <clears throat> I would say, and apologies, I'm finally getting over this cough, and I thought I could make it through. There's a little bit of throat clearing. Thank you for your patience. Um, it's impossible to talk about Yusuf Nurkic without talking about DeAndre Ayton. It just is, and it's not about, like, I, I would never be dumb enough to sit here and do the whole, well, if the Suns had taken Jaron Jackson in 2018. That's ridiculous. Jaron Jackson was never going to be the number one overall pick in that draft. DeAndre Ayton was thought of as a better prospect by mostly everybody. That would be goofy. In this case, they were legitimately traded for each other, and the Suns chose one over the other on the eve of the season for a reason. And so I think it's absolutely reasonable to evaluate how Nurkic has performed versus what Ayton could have done. Now, I'm not even going to use the Ayton in Portland context because I think that that team is not where it's at and not even set up for Aiton to thrive if I'm being completely honest. However, when we talk about Nurkic's defense and the video that Steven put together and the execution of the game plan against the Knicks and countless other teams this season, I have to think of Aiton because what I like about Nurkic is that he executes the scheme. In that case, in a lot of cases, what they're asking Nurkic to do is hedge out to the ball handler, put two to the ball like we see a lot of teams do to Devin Booker, get the ball out of that point guard's hands, recover back to the roll man, or survive on a switch in some cases if there's an emergency situation there, contest, box out, and the possession. There are other times, though, where it is more of a drop defense. If there is a driving Guard, who's maybe not as much of a pull-up three-point shooting threat. We've seen him in drop at times. We've seen him in zones. We've seen him obviously have to defend post-up or scoring centers like Anthony Davis. We have seen him have to step up even more in the case of like a, a Steph Curry, where he's having to contest threes because Curry's coming off of screens and launching. And I think that one of the best things you can say about Nurkic this year is he's been able to execute in a variety of those contexts. The problem is, or what makes it hard to say that that separates him from the alternative, which would have been DeAndre Ayton, is I think that's one of the things that made Ayton pretty special. So, 
Okay, where do we go from there? Well, let's look at the rest of the stats. So far this season, the opponent is shooting 56% basically against Nurkic within six feet when Yusuf Nurkic is the closest defender. That is about 5% better than the Suns' overall field goal percentage allowed in the paint or within six feet, I should say. Okay, he's, he's making a noticeable difference there. You look at opponent shooting frequency at the rim. When Nurkic is on the court, teams are shooting just a tad more at the basket, but nothing super noticeable. They're shooting a little less at the basket when Eubanks is in there. Okay, that's to be expected. I think as a pure shot blocker at the rim, Eubanks probably better, right? You look at um, short mid-rangers, Teams are taking less of those. Again, you would expect teams to maybe take more more of those. I guess, actually, they are taking more of those. Maybe that could be a positive. They're getting floaters up over Nurkic instead of attacking the basket. Okay, that's not an easy stat to read, necessarily. They're shooting better at the rim uh, in this category as a team, uh, and that's just at the rim. So it looks like teams are actually missing short mid-rangers against Nurkic and then uh, making layups and dunks. Okay, that number doesn't look quite as good. That's the biggest thing you're giving up. The rim protection is obviously a step back from Aiton to Nurkic, at least the ceiling of the rim protection, right? The big thing with Aiton, and and I'll stop talking about him in 3-2-1, is he... It was inconsistent. You can't bank on anything with that guy. But the theory of his rim protection was better than Nurkic's theory is ever going to be. And you can see that in the numbers. Teams are not afraid of Nurkic at the rim. They're not afraid to go at him, whether that's LeBron James, whether that's the Thunder. We've seen many examples of, of players driving straight at Nurkic in big moments to try to score, and it working. He's ob- We're going to talk about the offense, too. But some of the bigger picture stats, I think, would lead you to believe that Nurkic is, at the very least, back to what he was pre these injuries, right? Something like block percentage. Just how many blocks is he getting out of the possessions that he's on the court? It's at 4% this year. That's right in line with his normal during his peak seasons from basically the trade away from the Nuggets up until the broken leg. He was at 4%. The past two years, it dipped below 3. His assist percentage dipped below 20% the past couple years. It's back up to 20 now. Um, We'll get to the offense in a second. Sorry, I have one last defensive stat, which is just defensive box plus minus, just an all-encompassing defensive stat, which you can take for whatever grains of salt you want to take it with, but that is back to where it was. Not even pre-leg break, but even the the season that he played 37 games, the COVID year, uh, the year the Suns made the finals, he only played 37 games, but the assist percentage, the block percentage, the defensive box plus minus, those were even kind of on par with his peak. It's really just the last two years when he's dipped and he is back to the level that you would like to see him at. Now, I think that there are things that he leaves to be desired. He still turns the ball over. 
I don't know if that's ever going to go away. He doesn't always finish, but he's having the best offensive rebounding season of his career. I talked about the assists. And I think the bottom line with Jurkic, Jurkic combined his first and last name, Nurkic, in closing is he is just the epitome of a role player. And I think in 2023, we don't always think of centers that way, right? Because not a lot of them are versatile enough and skilled enough to play that big of a role. You're either a focal point for your team because you are Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Sabonis, Shengun, or you are doing such a specific thing that it almost doesn't even feel like a role because it's the only thing you can do, which is protect the rim, rebound. You know, you're doing the Mitchell Robinson shtick, right? Nurkic is a chameleon. He is the epitome of a role player. There are nights when he is a playmaker. There are nights when he is a screener and a, you know, offensive rebounder, just pure dirty work guy. There's nights when he's a floor spacer. There's nights when he has to move his feet on defense. There's nights when he doesn't. There's nights when he has a matchup that's a scoring threat. There's nights when he's defending Mitchell Robinson, right? And it's all so in flux night to night that I think you just have to factor that in. This is a guy who is adjusting his mindset and his approach on a nightly basis as much or more as anybody on this Suns team. And so for him to statistically get back to where he was pre-tank, let's call it pre-tank Nurkic, and fit well and show some signs of life at the things that we wondered if he could ever do again, you got to be feeling mostly positive. Do the Suns look for another big man option at the deadline in the buyout market? I don't know. Certainly could happen. But they're winning games with him in the regular season, and he is a big part of why, even if that might sound crazy to say. That'll wrap us up. More to come tomorrow, getting you ready for Suns-Raptors on Wednesday. Also, Sun Locked on Suns audio-exclusive game preview coming Wednesday, in addition to one more regular episode, and then a recap of that Wednesday game coming after the buzzer on Wednesday night. Also have Aaron Edwards here Friday to close out the week. So hit follow, hit subscribe, wherever you're finding the show. Get Locked on Suns in your feed, plus all that bonus content we talked about. Text alerts, TikTok, game previews, much, much more all throughout the season. I'll talk to you next time.